This is Founders Talk, an interview podcast featuring awesome conversations with founders building businesses online as well as offline. If you found this show on iTunes, we're also on the web at 5x5.tv slash Founders Talk. And if you're on Twitter, follow Founders Talk as well as me, Adam Stack. I want to thank the show's sponsors, Less Accounting and Flow from MetaLab. If you're not familiar with Less Accounting, let me tell you about them. I actually use Less Accounting for each one of my businesses, and I cannot tell you how much time Less Accounting saves me. My most favorite, favorite feature of Less Accounting software is the bank data importing. I mean, just think about this. You log in, you plug in your bank data, and it pulls over all your transactions for you. It saves you tons of time. You can go in there yourself and itemize them. You don't have to go in there and have an accountant do it. But at the same time, if you have an accountant, you can actually give them access, managed access to your less accounting account. Now, don't get me wrong. Bookkeeping isn't that fun, and all small business accounting software sucks. I just think that less accounting makes it suck the least. They do a fantastic job of making it suck the least. They have a simple interface to use. It's just a lot of fun. You can even invoice too. It's it's really just amazing. They have a video on their homepage. You can go there and see how easy it is to do bookkeeping with less accounting. And I highly suggest you check it out. Seriously, they're good friends of mine. They support the show. Check them out. Lessaccounting.com. I also want to thank Flo from MetaLab. You might have heard the founder... Andrew Wilkinson here on the show not too long ago, and we kicked it off. He loved what Founders Talk is doing. He wanted to support what I'm doing, and I started to use Flow. I do it for all my task management. It's just super easy. If you've used Things or WonderKit or WonderList or anything else like that, you owe it to yourself to go there and check it out right now. GetFlow.com. Task management, team collaboration. You can delegate. You can share. You can discuss. There's real-time live updates. they got a web, desktop, mobile client. It's just amazing. You have to check it out. GetFlow.com. And today's guest is Nathan Ryan, the founder of ProxArt. Enjoy the show. I'm joined today by Nathan Ryan. Nathan is the co-founder of a very cool, very eclectic, uh, I guess, art-driven magazine called Prox Art. So, Nathan, you're a, a listener of the show, so you're on the show. That's great. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> Flip the tables, turn the tables a little bit. It's kind of weird to be on this side now. So, so will you go actually go back and listen to this episode then? Um, you know, maybe about five minutes of it, as long as I can stand my voice. <laughs> That's a thing, right? You just, I mean, it's weird to hear your voice, regardless. I think, yeah, I think it's kind of weird to hear your voice. You always sound different, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, you think you sound one way, you know, because you're hearing, But you don't. You're, you're, you're hearing your throat when you're talking. Right, And then right. other people are hearing what you actually sound like. So that is true. It's definitely always weird to hear yourself. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you, I'll probably yeah, what you hear yourself as is just an interpretation of what you think it is, and that's actually not what you sound like. Exactly. Exactly. So I'll, I'll listen to this. You know, hopefully I don't say too many stupid things. <laughs> you can't say anything stupid on this show. <laughs> well, that's good. That's, it's impossible. That's a good thing to know. That is a good thing to know. <laughs> so you're, uh, you're in Santa Clarita. Yes. Is that right? Yes. California. Yeah, we're about uh, 30, 30 minutes north of Los Angeles without traffic. Um, and yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the only our claim to fame is uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain, uh, and that's pretty much what you say. Oh, I'm from LA, and well, really, it's Santa Clarita, and that's oh, that's where Six Flags is. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. I understand. Yeah, exactly. Most, Up there, people, that's right. When we go down to 
you know, when we go into LA and, and we're talking to people and they ask where we're from and we say we're from Santa Clarita, they go, um, and then we say, uh, magic mountain and, and then, then they get it. Magic mountain. Yeah. Yeah. So there are, I mean, I guess that's one claim to fame. And then I think we have like 24 Starbucks. Whoa. So that's another one. That's a lot of Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. We, we like our Starbucks uh, apparently. Do people move really fast there? Um, like do they talk fast, move fast, do things fast? No, no. Mostly, I think those Starbucks are just a place for people who stay in the suburbs to not stay in their homes. So, oh just, boy, it's like it's like the all day pub. You know, <laughs> people people wake up in the morning. It's like the office for most people. Most people have their their table at their Starbucks or at a a, a bunch of different stuff. I do. I jump from from store to store like all day when I don't want to actually go into my office. <laughs> I'll spend like a couple hours in one and then move over to the other one and I'll keep my cup and Starbucks makes enough money. So, you know, I just keep my cup so it looks like I bought something. Right, right. <laughs> and I don't feel too bad about it. No, I don't think you should. I think if you spend it one store, you should go to the next directly and keep going. Yeah. I think, you know, I I actually have an entire uh, day planned uh, tomorrow. I'll be going touring all the Houston Starbucks. Yeah? It's, yeah. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I mean, it's a really, really cost-effective office space, if you think about it. So, mm-hmm. now, that we've, now that we've talked about Santa Clarita and Six Flags and Magic Mountain and Starbucks uh, perusing, let's talk about you. Mm-hmm. So for those who do not know what Proxart is, because as of about three to four months ago, I didn't know either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those who don't know you, uh, which you're now in Dribble, so congrats to that. <laughs> thank you. Th- no, well, literally, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll dive into that in a bit. But yeah. so, so who are you, Nathan? I mean, I mentioned you as the co-founder of Proxart. Mm-hmm. Those who don't know who you are and what Proxart is, what, what are you about? What is Proxart about? Um, Proxart's all about the relationship between art and place. So how does an artist uh, relate to, react to, and then create art that turns around and impacts their environment. So, um, you know, we've been talking about Santa Clarita, and Santa Clarita is, from my vantage point, from a lot of people who share the the values that I share, uh, it's a fairly boring place. There's not really much going on, and, you know, so uh, initially when we started this, it was just to remedy that. So we were a bunch of bored uh, college students sitting around wishing that there were places for us to play our music or, you know, host an art show or, or that there were people willing to do these things and we couldn't find people who were willing to do them. So we just, we did it. Um, so we went around all of the, we went around, to, we went to our community college, we went to Cal Arts, which is in Santa Clarita, ironically, one of the, the absolute like most revered art schools in the nation is in, and in the world actually is in Santa Clarita, but it's, it's kind of like that city on a hill that never really comes down, um, here, but still. So we went there, we put up, um, posters and passed out flyers and stuff like that and, uh, put on an art show. And, and next thing we knew we had 75 people. So we decided to keep putting them on and Proxart was kind of our remedy for, being bored. It was a way to produce a little bit of culture uh, in a place where we felt like it didn't have much, you know. Uh, and then eventually all of the, the locally owned places that we were doing the art shows at were, were closing left and right. You know, the, 
the economy collapsed and all these local businesses that we were working with went under. This is 2008? This is about 2010. So we started, our first event was December 2007, actually. Wow. 2007. So our first event was December 2007. uh, And then in 2010, we decided that after all of these places closed, the only way that we could actually achieve what we really wanted was to, we had already had a blog at this point. So we'd just been using like a standard WordPress template to talk about the artists that we were featuring in the shows locally. Um, And then we decided that we would just go ahead and start a magazine in place of an actual physical gallery, at least, you know, on the, on a um, predictable like timeline. Right. So since we couldn't predict when we were going to be able to put on their next art show, we decided to to take matters into our own hands and start a magazine. And the magazine was originally online, WordPress kind of started out. Who was, when you started, you said you were bored and it was more about doing art shows and kind of getting people together and collecting people and doing some fun stuff. But when you, when you launch a magazine per se, you obviously have some sort of direction to an audience. Who was the audience of Prox Art originally? Oh, it was all local. I mean, uh, if you look at our first issue, uh, it, it only features people from Santa Clarita. And initially the audience was just Santa Clarita. You know, we were kind of treating it like a, a snapshot of, um, our valley and trying to prove to people and maybe prove to ourselves that there was more going on here than we thought. Um, and so that was kind of our thing from the beginning. Uh, the first two issues, even the third one, they don't really, they don't really venture too far out of, um, Southern California or (coughs) at least, uh, the idea of the, the suburbs. Um, issues one, two, and three are, are very suburban, very, uh, you know, we know personally most of the people in those issues. So, wow. but and and just to get a a snapshot of like let's say size of Santa Clarita, we're talking about like maybe sub two hundred thousand people in the in the area. Yeah, I think I think the latest count that I've heard is one hundred eighty thousand. But you're just north of LA, so you're kind of in a creative area. You've I think from previous conversations, you even joked about how if you meet anybody in and around L.A. or even Santa Clarita that somebody's writing something, somebody's doing something, somebody has got some sort of side project going on. Is that right? Yeah, that's the, the funny thing about L.A. is everybody is hyper ambitious. You know, everybody has you – could, you could meet the janitor at your local elementary school and he's you know, convinced he's writing – he's the next Stephen King and he's writing the next <laughs> you know, uh, series of novels that are going to just – take over the New York Times bestsellers list. And then, you know, you could talk to somebody else and they're convinced that they're the next, uh, you know, uh, Steven Spielberg and they've got a film idea. It's just, you know, it's really cool uh, that people around here just never stop thinking about creating. Yeah. That's, um, I think it's kind of wild what you've done with Proxart because just in general, I think, the magazine space and the publishing space is changing. I think it's a lot more, there's a lot more respect for independence, I guess. And you guys are definitely independents and you formed your team on your own and you've got a dedicated staff. I mean, we're talking about years further on than back in 2008 and 2010 when things first started. But, um, you know, it's, um, 
hang on a second. I, I was getting messaged. Okay. For, so <laughs> I was trying to talk and I can hear it in the background. I was like, Hey, I'm on a conversation. So <laughs> I, I, I can't, uh, I can't accept that message. <laughs> no worries. No worries. <laughs> Sorry for my rambling, but let's, let's go back in time from you because I mean, what astounds me, you know, not to, not to say anything negative about people that when they're younger, but you know, you're a little older now, you're mid twenties. I'm, you know, almost mid thirties, which is really weird to say, like, I'm going to be 33 next month. Is it just weird to say it out loud? Cause it feels weird. For, it's weird. It's one thing for you to say that I'm mid twenties, but it feels weird for me to say that I'm mid twenties out loud. So I think it's just, it's like hearing your own voice. Yeah. It's just, you know, I don't even want to accept it. I, I really even hate to even think like that, but I feel so young. And, but I guess the cool thing to riff on my age and my look even is that whenever I go anywhere and if ever I get a drink, I always get carded. And when they look at my ID, they're always like, um, I'm sorry, I carded you. And I'm like, why, why is that? He, well, he's like, well, you know, you look really young. <laughs> so every time I, I look young enough to be carded. So, uh, that's, that's a good thing. Kinda, that is a- that's a good thing to me. So enough about my age. But you were, you know, you were fairly young when you started this thing. You weren't just a founder. You were a co-founder. So zoom back to, like, even before that. I mean, you were 19, was it, when you started? Mm-hmm. What was going on before then? Like, what was pre-ProxArt? Um, Pre-ProxArt, I, well, okay, well, we'll dig back kind of deep. Uh, when I was 13 or 14, I fell in love with a band that was from Riverside, and they were playing around uh, the L.A. area. They were hitting a lot of suburbs. That you know, they were they were playing churches, so they were coming up into Santa Clarita. Those are kind of, those are kind of the only venues in most suburbs are churches. So uh, they were playing up in Santa Clarita. They were playing out in like Riverside and areas like that. And um, I decided that I wanted to play drums for them because I'd been playing drums since the age of about eight or nine. Uh, so I went to a couple of their shows and, um, kind of was just gutsy with them all the time and told them that (laughs) I wanted to be their drummer and I wanted to play. And, um, eventually they, they started taking me seriously and they came out to Santa Clarita. They couldn't find a drummer. Uh, they needed a drummer and they called me and I ended up playing at age, I think 14. So, we we did that show. They were impressed. I was young enough that they could pay me a lot less <laughs> than they would pay any other drummer that they were going to hire. So they ended up hiring me for uh, the summer, and I went out on tour with them for three months. Uh, that went well. I ended up touring with them for three years through most of high school, actually. 15 through... Uh, I went back for my last semester of my senior year. So I did about two and a half, three years on the road with those guys, went back to school. Um, and since I had had such a, just an amazing taste of independence, I really liked it. You know, so I went, I decided I didn't want to go off to, to, I didn't want to try to apply to any, um, more serious universities that I'd like to, (coughs) um, hold on, I'm rambling. Sometimes rambling happens. That that's okay. I think what you're trying to say is is where you came from. Yeah. No. 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 I know. Um, okay. So I did. I did like two, two and a half, three years on the road with these guys. Went back, um, and when I was deciding where I wanted to go to college, I couldn't. I just couldn't bring myself to try to go to a, an actual university. So I went to community college. 
uh, started taking a few design courses, some photography courses. That's where my wife and I really hit it off. Uh, she was in photography. She was a much better photographer than I was. So I decided that instead of competing with her, because she won that battle already, that I would, uh, that I would get into uh, the design Nice. So instead of competing, you compliment. Exactly. Exactly. That's a good. That's a good compromise. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. So, so I started taking design courses. Um, I had taken probably two or three of them, and you know, like I'd said, uh, I had. You hear that noise? Yeah, it's storming really bad here. Wow, that was serious. Yeah, I, I even wondered if something happened to the audio and if it cut if it cut out because it was pretty loud on my side. It was super loud. Like I'm concerned. Jeez. Okay. Well, I'll wrap this up. <laughs> At least this portion. Uh, so I took a few design classes. I had already had a taste of independence. I was a little over the idea of just taking design class after design class and even trying to get my AA. Uh, so I decided to just start a design business. And ironically. I was sitting at a Starbucks, designing my business cards, uh, which looked absolutely horrible. Uh, I still have them, and they are they are just ugly. I think the type is like four point, like it's Ooh. it's tiny. You know when you take like typography classes and you take design classes and you I don't know if you have, but you you yeah. just, you just get all of the you get all of the like you just you tend to think do's and don'ts basically yeah and you tend to think smaller type is better and you know you're always told that you know clients are telling you to make the logo bigger make the type bigger so as a designer as a young designer you know you think well i'm gonna make everything as small as i possibly can and so that's what i was doing the type was like four point you couldn't read it on the print (laughs) they were completely they were just complete rubbish so uh, while I was at the Starbucks designing the cards, uh, a guy that was an old family friend and asked what I was doing, I told him I was working on business cards. He asked for what I told him, uh, my design business little, you know, I didn't know, but he ran a design business as well. He'd been in, you know, he worked for Disney for, for years. Um, and he, was running his own firm out in Burbank. And he asked me if I would like to come down and at least just see his studio. So I went down. Um, I ended up working for him for, you know, pennies on the dollar for probably six to eight months, just, you know, not sleeping and uh, commuting down to Burbank from Santa Clarita, which is like a 30 minute drive. It's not bad, but um, worked with him. He got hired at Disney and then I went and worked at Disney as well for uh, two years doing just all kinds of design that I was not not sufficiently prepared for on an education, <laughs> on the education. I wasn't sufficiently educated to be doing, you know, we were doing interior and exterior design. We were doing um, publication design, web design, none of this. I didn't know any standards. You know, I was completely learning on the job. And was a lot of this... Did it end up becoming prep for today? Essentially, I mean, obviously you're a good designer today, so. Yeah, it, it did. I mean, the I learned a lot of the technical side of things. Uh, I learned. You learned the four point. Uh, the what? <laughs> four point font on a business card is a no-no. I did learn that. <laughs> but I think I learned that on my own. I think I got my prints in and I was like, that's, that's not right. I can't read it. Exactly. They can't read it. Exactly. This is not going to get me any business. People are squinting. Um, but. I think for me, the the two biggest things that I got out of working uh, 
uh, in those jobs working for Brad, who was the guy that I, I effectively interned for for a while, um, and then working for Disney. And then after that, I worked for another company called Midnight Oil. I think if I learned anything from working for those working those jobs, uh, it's, it's team building, it's, it's working with people, uh, it's collaboration, uh, it's process. Um, and I think I learned, uh, I think I learned that more than anything, you know, because it's so easy. (laughs) I think it's so easy for designers to forget that they're, that they're part of that, that, you know, they're, they, they add a lot to the conversation. So instead of, instead of just sitting back and, and, uh, letting things go, you know, I got to see how Disney incorporates design from the, from the beginning, you know? And so that was cool on a, on a very large scale, <laughs> you know? Well, speaking of team building, I mean, you kind of gave us a preface of prox art in the early days. And uh, from what I understand now, you guys have like a core staff, you got like four people that are on staff, you've got some other staff as well. I mean, you've been able to build a team and do some fun stuff with with this uh, with this model. And let's zoom out a little bit from just like Proxart the magazine because Proxart is uh, is kind of like multifaceted from what I can see. Right, you've got um, the idea of an agency, which we talked about before. You got the idea of this magazine, and then you even have this philanthropic side where you want to do some things in the nonprofit space and do some fun stuff. So, which which one of those can we dive into? Well, the magazine is definitely the anchor. Uh, you know, the magazine, the editorial side of what we do is definitely the anchor for everything else. So we, when we started, you know, obviously my background is in design. So I'd been dabbling in writing since I was like 15. Um, and when all of these stores shut down and all of the, the local coffee shops and restaurants that we'd been partnering with to do uh, galleries at, when they shut down... And we decided we wanted to do a magazine. The only reason we could do it is because my background was in, in design and, you know, specifically print. Um, we had another guy who had done a lot of editing for a school newspaper and for a school arts publication. Um, and we have another guy, or we had another guy, well, we still have him, he's still working with us. Uh, his name is Ben, and he <coughs> he's a, an L.A. film school grad, and so he handled all of our photography. So it, it was almost like, well, you know, complementary skills again. Well, we're all sitting in the same room. We all don't want to see this idea die, um, but we obviously can't do it, you know, in a physical space. So we need to actually just create a space for this. So it just made sense. It was, you know, it was like, it was like we were the three different superheroes with with different rings and we put them all together and something happens so i mean that's <laughs> that's kind of i mean that's a very dramatic <laughs> yeah that's that's funny though it's a fun i just pitched in my mind as you said it though i was just thinking like these four creative people putting their thoughts together. i mean that's what people th- do though right you build on each other's talents yeah exactly and that's exactly what this was you know and and the first issue you know the funny thing about it is it was so hard to to make it happen it's like 24 pages i think um and we initially had a three-month uh, production schedule for it, and it took six. Uh, and, and part of that was, you know, the, the company was Proxart. The, it was a nonprofit at the time. And it's so half the battle up front was, well, do we just call it Proxart or we, do we na- name it something else? So, I mean, just getting, getting the gears in motion, 
and making it happen initially took a long time for what is now, you know, what, what we could now probably produce a week, in a week. You know, we could do 24 pages, no problem. Let's give some perspective. You say now and then you say it took a long time then. What, when is then and, you know, obviously we know when now is. And what kind of challenges were you facing that aren't here today? Um, initially, it was just me doing design. And it was really maybe two people writing and uh, one person handling photography. So with that in mind, and, you know, we had a, our staff wasn't just four people then either. Our staff was about six. So, and, you know, when I say staff, at least when I'm talking about back then, uh, you know, we, we were fairly lax. Like, if you want to be in the room, <laughs> we can call you staff. Right. Like, you know, so we were trying to make sure that everybody was included, you know, and giving everybody an opportunity to contribute. So we had a few other people around that, you know, were very sincere in wanting to contribute. And they had, you know, one guy was doing some editing for us and, and stuff like that. And so we were trying to route it through that channel as well. Um, so, so was a lot of it just honing your processes and honing your skills and team building or what was what was the... Yeah. Why the, you know, why the, the time scale of three months versus six or six months versus three months? Well, it was kind of, I mean, it was very intentional. Like, you know, we were coming to the end of our, our initial three month mark. And I, I just, you know, I know so many people who, when they don't get something done on the time frame that they initially imagined it, you know, before they started the project, they assume it's going to take three months and then three months goes by. And then instead of just very quickly and promptly setting another deadline, uh, they just decide to, to to quit, you know. And so for us, it was like, okay, well, obviously, we got to the end of this first three months. We haven't nailed down our process or how we want to do things yet. So we're just going to give it another three. You know, we hadn't announced anything yet. That was part of it too. Um, we didn't make anything known. We didn't, you know, we didn't have like a. <coughs> it, being that it was our first issue, we didn't have like a. We didn't have a promotional calendar set up we didn't have any pr stuff to to do so december came around we weren't happy with where we were and we just decided to give ourselves another three months and see what would happen so a lot of it up front it was very intentionally trying to make sure that everybody knew that they could contribute something if they wanted to um and then trying to figure out how to best work that process so you know we just we did a lot via email we met once a week and uh, we would talk through stuff. I, I still have poster boards <laughs> of like our original, um, like book map for the issue. And it's just so funny to look at. It's, it's really quite hilarious. Um, because we weren't aware of a lot of the tools that a lot of people use to do exactly what we were doing. Um, you know, online publishing was not, it wasn't huge yet. It hadn't boomed. The iPad hadn't been released, which was kind of another thing that we didn't, we weren't anticipating. And right. it's kind of nice that it worked out the way it did because had we released in December, um, it probably wouldn't have had as much of an impact as releasing in March 2010 did because that's the, it, we released the first issue the week that the iPad released. And I guess you kind of are on the iPad nowadays because you are a PDF. You're not an actual application, but uh, you know you can read that in a Kindle. You can read that on iBooks. So, 
technically you're on iPad, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, at least for right now, our web, we publish a lot of what we publish in the, the PDF version of the magazine online. Uh, and our website is very uh, iOS friendly and mobile friendly as it sits already. You know, we haven't really felt the need to create a mobile version of our site yet. We are relaunching the site soon, and I guess we can talk about that later. But um, we're trying to make sure that, you know, buttons are really big. Uh, articles are very obvious and very easy to read. Um, not four point font. No, no four point font. <laughs> no, none of that. And when we talk about not only the magazine, you said that's the. I'm not. I can't tell if you said that the magazine is the is the middle of the agency and the nonprofit, and that's the hinge that makes everything work. If that's by happenstance or by accident or by design, I mean, did you just? Create them. I mean, obviously, you started with the magazine, and I guess originally it was art shows and stuff like that. But what what are the other pieces of Proxart, and what do they exist to do? Well, the magazine is by accident. You know that that just kind of happened. It was a happy accident, but it was an accident, and we, we enjoyed it so much that we just kept doing it. Uh, well, I mean, the, the a six month cycle isn't an accident, though. How is it an accident? What what's that? I mean, a six-month cycle to produce it isn't an accident, though. Well, but it is an accident to actually turn it into something serious. And, okay. And then two years later... Uh, still be doing it. Still be doing it and, you know, not have a paid staff yet. I understand. That's... that's that, at, least, at least from... By most people's standards, I would say that's probably an accident. For us, it's very intentional. But for the way most people think of business and they think of, you know, return on investment, uh, it's... It's probably an accident. <laughs> um, you know, we tend to we tend to look at the magazine as you know the the currency is just the uh, the currency exchange for us is just the thrill of seeing it happen. You know, we're we're just that's payment. You know, I mean, obviously, we're at the point now where, um, and we can get into what the agency, the the nonprofit side of things are going to be. Uh, uh, this will this will trail into that, but. You know, up up until now, we've we've been working fairly steadily, just kind of tinkering away at, at the magazine, um, and now it's it's turned into something that's about you know fifteen to to twenty, sometimes even thirty hours a week for me. Um, and then there's a good portion of our staff, probably two or three other people, who are at uh, at about the same as far as investment of time. And this is in addition to their day jobs too, right? Cause yeah. It's not making money. Yep, everybody, including myself, uh, we all have day jobs. We all. So, it, is it making money, or is it just not making enough to pay staff? It is making money. Uh, we do make money through ads and and stuff like that, uh, sponsorships, event sponsorships, <clears throat> um, and slowly that that's starting to build to the point where we're we're going to be able to start paying people at least you know something for what they do. Um, but right now, I think the thrill is just seeing it happen. You know, we're all just stoked that we're able to interview and talk to the artists that we're able to talk to. And um, we're getting the opportunities we're getting to, you know, we're going to South by Southwest and, and stuff like that, that, you know, we wouldn't be able to do if we didn't have an, an actual platform. And that, and that if we weren't creating our own platform, we'd have to go through somebody else's platform. Um, right. And, and this way, we're ensured that we're, we're working on something that we absolutely believe in. And at the same time, you know, we're getting some perks that are pretty cool. Uh, we may not be getting paid yet, but, you know, that such is life, I guess. I'm all about labor of love, though. I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, truth be told, with this this podcast and this platform we're on here right now, I mean, 
I haven't always been able to make money from doing it. And I, while I do things like this, I don't do them because I can make money. And that's kind of neat what I like, like about your, about what you've done here. I mean, to even have not just yourself, but even a number of other people fairly dedicated. I mean, 20, 30 hours a week, if they're even coming close to matching you and not getting paid shows that you're doing something right. And something that is, you know, very unique and fun happening there. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, we've we've built some incredible friendships with one another, which is which is great because we can all <clears throat> get together and go grab a beer and uh inevitably, you know, it's not it's not a an official Proxart meeting by any means, but <laughs> we end up we end up talking about new ideas, we end up dreaming up new things, we end up coming up with new projects, new directions, all of that kind of stuff. And so um the friendship helps, you know, we've, I've tried to make sure that, you know, especially cause it's, it's volunteer, you know, it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of like I was saying when we were talking about, you know, why were we dealing with, why did we go from a three month to a six month up front is because I wanted to make sure that, you know, people didn't feel like there was some deadline that was going to cause them to push any other subsequent deadlines that were paying them, you know? And so that's something we've had to balance quite a bit actually is, you know, how do we make sure that, even though people are putting in 15, 20 hours a week, how do I make sure as their friend, you know, technically I'm, you know, quote unquote the boss, but how do I make sure that as their friend, they don't feel like one, they're going to lose their position within the company or two, um, that, you know, the company is going to go underwater just because they, you know, were a day late on a deadline. Because I know that, because I know that these people, you know, are doing this as a labor of love. And so how do they, how do they, you know, it's just, it's important to make sure that they feel like they are cared for as people more than, more than they're cared for as. Well, like you said, they're, they're family, they're friends. I mean, you guys are hanging out on the weekends, you're doing fun stuff together and you, you say company. And when you say company, it makes me think that you've got something else to give away besides money. And, and I know that equity isn't always the, the funnest word to hear when you're asked to, to work on a project. But I mean, are they getting equity? Is it you getting equity? You said you have a co-founder too, right? So mm-hmm. how are things divvied up? Um, we're still putting together the corporate structure, actually, but it will probably be some measure of equity. And that's, that's always a decent trade-off, especially if you're passionate about it. Because if you believe in something, you know, it's easier to, to do. I think I'm trying to recall an exact thing. I, th- I I can't remember if it's Steve Jobs and Pixar. There was a story there where they were almost out of cash, and Steve came in and kind of fixed things up, but they were so close to like going out of business. I can't remember if that's exactly right, but whenever that happens in life, I mean, sometimes you just are really passionate about something, uh-huh. and you can't help. You really cannot help but just keep moving forward with it because you just feel like emotionally – and sometimes even a level of spiritually connected to something like it's just something, some sort of driving force you can't resist. Yeah, totally. And that, this is exactly that. You know, for us, it's it, it's always been fascinating to <clears throat> learn what is motivating anybody and everybody to create and and do what they do with their art. You know, and so we we found that what drove us was boredom, <laughs> and so <laughs> we were curious what drove other people. Is it uh, since you guys are in the process of doing business and you know doing the corporate structure and stuff like that, you have to be thinking about business models. And we talked a little earlier in the podcast about how the publishing industry is changing. And you know, you'd mentioned that your second episode or your second 
um, issue came out, whenever the iPad came out. So you've got a new platform to look at. I mean, what kind of what kind of business models are you looking at, and in what ways is the publishing industry changing to influence the future of Proxart? Um, well, right now, you know, it's it's fairly obvious that a- advertising is more of like a there. Advertising is so easy to do, I think, on your own through channels like like Twitter and Facebook and, and things like that. So the companies, companies aren't looking at traditional media. They aren't looking at magazines the way that they used to. You right. know? So when we're, when we're approaching other companies to advertise in our magazine, it's never just like, hey, we're going to give you a page. Uh, we usually try to make sure that these companies are going to be involved in something moving forward, you know, like in the, in the next issue, you'll see ads from, uh, Lomography and agent 18, agent 18 makes iPhone cases, Lomography makes cameras. And then a couple other companies actually that aren't confirmed yet, but those two for sure. And those two are involved directly. So they've, they've paid for sponsorship and they are involved directly in our, um, South by Southwest event. So they're not just going to be there. We, they're not technically sponsors or advertisers, they're partners. You know, so we try to make sure that when we sign on to work with another company, number one, it's a product that we believe in. Um, and then number two, that it's something that we can actually, it's a company that we can collaborate with. We're not just taking money from them. We're actually going to do something with them. So, you know, Lomography and Agent 18 will both have their names and their, their logos on all of our advertising for South by Southwest. And, um, they'll be involved. They'll be doing something socially that is, uh, beneficial to their brand and and beneficial to ours. So that's, that's kind of how we approach advertising on the whole. Uh, and then, so that's, sorry, my wife was in the house. She was walking around and leaving and my ADD, (laughs) my my ADD kicked in. (laughs) Shiny, shiny object, huh? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Literally. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's let's back up because, I mean, we're talking about advertising, but let's talk about the actual um, – beyond just advertising and some of the partnerships you can make through different co-branding or whatnot. What are you doing to, I guess, create a business model that's sustainable for Proxart moving forward? Like you would mentioned, you've got a couple, paid st- or a couple staff members that uh, – that are doing quite a bit of work like yourself, mm-hmm. you're in the process of, of incorporating. And I'm just kind of curious what kind of uh, business models you're entertaining, especially with the fact that you're now four years into this, you've got some people that are highly dedicated. You got seven issues behind you, 150 contributors that are doing some different stuff for you guys. I mean, it's not as if you're, you know, just some fly by night, random blog, you're a well-designed, well-produced magazine you've got a potential future and i'm just wondering what what things you're doing to to um to feel the business model of that yeah so we are definitely approaching the advertisers um we're taking that route for sure we're also going to try to figure out some kind of subscription model um we're trying to to think through that because people have an act people have access to content you know way more content than they've ever had right yeah in all of history so you know, charging, trying to put up a paywall is just stupid. That's not viable. It's, uh, it's not sustainable at all. So, 
at this point, we're looking at having a relatively low, maybe even optional subscription fee for the magazine, you know, say, say $12 a year and you get the, the PDF or say, you know, you know, say, so that's like the base. And then say, we've got other subscription models where, you know, you, you go from 12 to maybe 25 and you get the PDF and you get a print. And then, you know, from 25 a year, we're talking a year here, we're not talking per issue. Um, so 25 and then, you know, say we go 50 or 60 and that includes, you know, some kind of a package with, the uh, with each issue. So you get, you know, an issue, you get a bunch of, you get a sticker pack, you get, uh, <coughs> you know, like a, a custom t-shirt for every issue. You know, we're just, we're playing around with what a subscription model could look like so that it's, it's compelling. So you feel like you're actually getting something other than, you know, cause You'll always have the website. If you, yeah. want, if you just want content, you can always go to proxart.co. Um, but if you want to be involved, if you want the experience, we're just trying to make sure that if we do offer a subscription model, it is an experience. It's not just a bunch of content. So that's one, that's one thing. you know. And then uh, we've been alluding to the agency side for a while and never yeah. dove into it. But... Um, I personally have gotten most of my design work through people finding Proxart. So people will find Proxart. They will contact me, ask if I'm available to do work, or you know, I'll go out and I'll make a contact for Proxart um, and eventually end up just doing design work for them. So kind of keeping that in mind, and then also at the same time keeping in mind what we can offer people that we partner with and do advertising with. Um, we're going to open up an agency side where we handle creative work for, you know, companies we partner with, uh, companies we like, or just companies that want to hire us because they think we're doing cool stuff. And when you say we, does that mean that the staff is also kind of going to be agency side as well as magazine side? So I think that sounds a little bit kind of like even what Kudal is doing in Chicago. They're, they're a similar model. They have like the agency side of them, but at the same time they have, a number of products they develop for you know that are online products as well as offline products like field notes is super super popular uh, is this is that what you're talking about yeah i love i love koodle koodle is fantastic so yeah you know um ideally we would be able to do something similar to that you know where we're we're not i'm not really interested in touting like a huge portfolio and you know look who we've worked with look at the project we just finished i'm I'm more interested in showing off work that we're doing for ourselves that we're proud of and then just, you know, hoping that people want to work with us because they see that we're confident um, and that we're producing good things. So ideally we would take the same staff, you know, I'm kind of looking at it as like, you know, two sides of a scale here. Ideally we would take the same staff and we would employ them on client related work um, or project based work, commissioned work. Um, and that would fund time for them to be able to work with the same group of people. And since, you know, like I said, we can be at a bar drinking beer and talking about Proxart anyway, that also means we could probably be working on other stuff and still thinking about Proxart at the same time. So we're just trying to create a way through the agency where we can just be together, yeah. you know, and, and do what we enjoy doing. And, you know, say somebody like Gia, who's our editor in chief, well, if she's an editor-in-chief, she's obviously a fantastic project manager. She knows how to keep things on deadline. She knows how to do, you know, uh, she knows how to deal with 
people, i.e. clients. So she would, you know, probably assume a project management role within the company. And so the idea is to just try to take people who have um, maybe varying skill sets and put them into positions within the agency where they're able to do something they're good at and also work with people that they like working with. And then, you know, the, the other side for it as well is that, you know, you, you just, you mentioned that we've got like 150 contributors and that's over the course of two and a half years. I was kind of curious how many, how many of those are active? Is it, is it all 150 is fairly active or is it just kind of hit or miss or that's kind of the collected number over the years? That's the collected number over the years. We've got, we probably got anywhere from, I'd say 10 to 15 active at a time. Um, and that could change day to day. You know, it, it really, really varies. Um, the last couple months have been a little bit quieter because we've been in the midst of a rebrand and all of that kind of stuff. So really for the most part, our contributors have been contributing, you know, iPad wallpapers and iPad, uh, iPad desktop and iPhone wallpapers and stuff like that. Um, but the the contributors themselves kind of come in and out of the picture. But we tend to use, I'd say, about 50 of those, like, as often as we possibly can. And let's, let's talk about some other things you're into as well. I mean, not only do you do the magazine, which is super popular, but you've also dabbled in podcasting, which is kind of neat. So you've got Prox Art Radio. Um, you said before that it's not super popular, but I think it's kind of neat that you're touching all these different mediums from – you know, live art shows from the crux of the start of, of Prox Art to the magazine, which actually goes out and it's printed and you can even get it as a PDF. And the printed version is through the the HP online service. What is that called again? Uh, MagCloud. And is I'm going to deter from that statement I was just making for just a quick second, but is there anything special you have to do to, to, to use MagCloud? Uh, you just have to have a PDF at the right dimensions. That's it. So, okay, that's, yeah. that's pretty neat. So pretty much any PDF can be printed, so you're kind of level, leveraging that service to get a printed version of uh, of that medium. But then also you're into the Proxart Radio thing. So what is – you haven't produced an episode in a while, though, so what's going on there? Um, Proxart Radio was – initially we had the idea to create – are you familiar with Radio Lab and, and that – are you familiar with the podcast Radio Lab? Mm-mm, no. They're – I'm going to butcher this. I don't know where they're from, but <laughs> regardless, they're like super high production, um, just extremely interesting content. They're, they just do, they do things so well. So initially the idea was, well, we're going to create a podcast and we're going to call it Suburbia. So it's just going to be all about like essentially the problem of the suburbs. Um, what that create, you know, problems that <clears throat> the suburban city design has created for social interaction and, art creation and things like that. Um, so that was the initial idea. And then once we realized how big of a budget we would need to do that, we were like, uh, let's just sit around the table and talk about art and drink beer. So that's kind of what it turned into. We would, we had a, we had an iPhone and it was kind of like spin the bottle, but it was spin the iPhone and we'd set it in the middle of the table and whoever talked, we would turn it towards them. So that's kind of all it was at the beginning, you know, and so we would get together and we would talk and uh, our, our listeners, I think we probably had on average between 300 and 500 per episode, which is pretty high, you know, it's good for us, especially considering that it was such a low, uh, maintenance project. You know, we were going to sit around the table and drink beer and talk art anyway. So 
why not record it and let people listen to it? Um, but eventually it just got to the point where we, um, we all had so many other things going on that we kind of dropped the ball for a bit, but we're starting to pick it back up. And you're also in the process of pressing pause. This is the most recent um, post on proxer.org. And I'm, I'm kind of curious what this exactly means. And, and when I first saw this headline, I was like, hey, Nathan didn't say anything about pressing pause. It sounds kind of bad. But then I read it and it sounds kind of good. So you're and it's it's kind of wild too how you're like pressing pause to dig deeper into the magazine process and a couple other things and you've even spun up a, a tumbler to kind of act as an acting voice along the process of PM8 which I think it's kind of neat too how you name the individual magazines you know PM7 for Proxmire magazine that's just kind of neat I like that easy hashtags <laughs> yeah easy hashtag that's for sure yeah you can easily that's hashtagable it's very hashtagable. Or as uh, Baratunde Thurston would say, there's a hashtag for that. <laughs> exactly. Did you see him at South By, speaking of South By? Who is it again? Baratunde Thurston. He's the... Oh. I th- I can't recall what his exact role is, but he does editing at The at the Onion. He just released a, a book. I think it's even called How to Be Black. It's hmm. He's a, a real wild fellow, that's for sure. Very He's a co- comedian. But yeah, he said there's a hashtag for that. And at South By, a couple years ago, he gave... Um, he gave a talk. No, I never heard that, but it, I mean, there is a hashtag for absolutely everything. There's <laughs> even a hashtag for hashtag. <laughs> is there a hashtag for push and pause? Uh, there should be, there probably can be, I can make, I can make one. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, okay. So we're, we're pressing pause, um, essentially so that we can move all of our material over to a new website. Um, we've completely redesigned the site. It's fairly similar in look, but it's a lot cleaner, um, a little bit more serious, um, a little less, I don't want to say gimmicky cause I don't really think the current site is gimmicky, but a little less techie. Um, and a little bit, more, it looks a little bit more like a publication, a little bit more like, uh, you know, a website that hopefully, well, and I believe does create serious content. Uh, um, so we're trying to just move everything over to that. And the next two weeks is going to be us doing the uh, dirty work of changing every single category. Cause right now we categorize stuff based on, um, type of art. So, you know, if it's a music post, the category is music. If it's a visual art post, the category is visual art. If it's film, you know, film, yada, 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 uh, so on. So we're moving from categorizing by type of art to categorizing by location because we've got writers, in you know cities from all over the world actually that are going to be contributing about what's going on in their area locally so the the idea is to take a global concept which is you know there's art happening where you are and really localize it because for the longest time you know we were the ones writing about what was going on in new york or we were the ones writing about what was going on in chicago but i've never been to chicago so I feel kind of weird writing about what's going on in Chicago when I've never been to Chicago. So now we'll have writers from Chicago who understand the social fabric of Chicago that are actually able to deal with Chicago as a native of that area. Yeah. I I love that too. I mean, that's, that's what was so interested. I mean, this isn't the exact reason why, but it's very much a part of the reason why I thought you'd be awesome to have on the show because 
you know, I don't want to say anything negative about what you've been able to do because it's certainly been something to be proud of. Um, but in the in the light of the past guests, you know, some listeners who are listening to this right now might be thinking, okay, Prox Arts an online magazine. That's that's kind of neat. But uh, what I like about where you're going with this is that you've learned so much over the years. You've been able to keep a staff that's unpaid, very motivated, and keep working on things. You're forming a company. You're branching to new directions. You're finding ways to support them. And not only that, but you're also taking this global approach towards art. And, you know, we didn't even get to really describe what prox art actually means, which I think, you know, if the listeners are listening to this and they're thinking, like, you know, what actually is prox art, it's short for proximity in art. And that's, I just love your approach towards the global space of what art is. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and it's ironic that that name still holds. And I think we've, <laughs> you know, we never, uh, that's another happy accident where we didn't really necessarily see this turning into what it's turned into, but it did turn into this kind of uh, localized global art, you know, journalism experiment, I guess. Right. The name, the, it's definitely a good name. And speaking of, of being global and now categorizing based on city that also brings open something else, which is actually getting contributors all over the world. So you've got a page up at your site. Now we are actually saying, Hey, if you're in these particular cities, mm-hmm. get a hold of us. So what, what are those cities? What cities are you targeting? Ooh, uh, you're asking me to do this off the top of my head, but if I remember correctly, uh, we've got San Francisco, Seattle, Los Angeles, Portland, Nashville, Chicago, Houston, Austin, New York, uh, I believe in London. I think those are the those are the cities that are listed. We'll take people from anywhere, but those are where most of our readers are from. Yeah. So um, I believe that's the list. I may have missed one or two or added one or two, but I believe that's the list. Toronto. Don't forget Toronto. 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 Yes. And, you know, that's the cool thing about Toronto. I mean, not that anywhere else that you mentioned because Houston's in the list. And I know for a fact that there's tons of fun local art here in Houston. But Toronto is definitely a, a very, very creative city. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's cool about the the direction you're taking with Proxar, too, is that is that, you know, I think what you might have learned, and maybe you haven't realized this, but that you can't do it all on your own, right? It, you, oh, no. You really need a collective of, of dedicated people. It's very important to not just be the sole. I think this might have been a theme through the past few podcasts, too. It's just that um, you can't be the one-man band for long. And even then, even if you are a decent one-man band, you're not going to be the best that you can be unless you like tap into the global collective. And that's, that's what I think is really awesome about the direction you're taking. Yeah, you know, and I, I feel like if I've learned anything about leadership and when I watch other leaders, it's that you can, you can make things happen by not caring about people or you can make things happen about by caring about people a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, being that we've done this thing, uh, on a volunteer basis for, for so long, you know, people are giving their time. Uh, I think it's really instilled in me that, you know, even if things change, say we start making money and everybody's on salary, um, I, I really am convinced that the best way to get good work out of people is to just consistently let them know that you're there for them and that you believe in them and that you, you don't want to do this without them, you know? And so I feel like as we scale, 
um, that's going to be the most important thing from my vantage point is just to, to find talented people who are, are good at what they do um, and just continually encourage them to be good at what they do. Be good at what you do and encourage them. So let's talk about something that maybe not everybody knows. And, you know, Nathan, you said that you're a listener to the show. So one of the fun questions I like to ask, and you may have already burst the bubble or I may have by saying that you're pressing pause, but I always like to ask guests what they have on the near horizon, something that maybe not everybody knows about and maybe nobody knows at all because Prox Artist is still uh, a blossoming flower, so to speak. You know, what is on the horizon for Prox Art that nobody knows about? That nobody knows about. Um, hmm. New font. <laughs> Did you say a font? New font. <laughs> <laughs> we are using PF Handbook and FF Scala in the upcoming issues. <laughs> that, That's a super secret thing. <laughs> our style guide has changed. No, I, I mean we kind of, the the pressing pause. Uh, blog was kind of the big reveal for everything that we've got going on right now. We have a lot going on. And I would imagine if you're listening, um, that you probably don't know what we have going on. So maybe everything's a surprise. So if I can treat it like that and everything is a surprise, uh, we've got the new website launching, uh, in probably two, two and a half weeks. Uh, we've also got a magazine launching the same day and or week that we launch the web, uh, the website. Uh, we're going to be at South by Southwest, in March, and then we're going to be at KXSC, which is USC's uh, music festival, next Saturday. Wow! So lots of stuff going on. And so, when you say we, does that mean you and a few people, a few, few staff members, or is it what is that like? Yeah, a few. St- what is the Proxart presence like? Uh, it's usually a few staff members. When we're going to we're going to South by Southwest, I believe there will be four of us total, um, and then KXSC, which is USC's thing. Uh, we'll probably have three or four of us as well. Um, I would say, just as kind of a side note, you know, for us, for Proxart, it's really all about quality journalism. You know, we really want to try to take that approach. You know, there are so many, there are so many websites out there that are user-generated content, you know, where anybody can submit and anybody can publish and anybody can do any of that sort of thing. And while that's okay, that's not the kind of thing Proxite wants to be. We really want to find really, really talented writers that can give a, an accurate, but also an entertaining and an interesting snapshot of what's going on in the art scene in their, in their city. Um, you know, so while a lot of people are trying to figure out how to keep their content short, and they're trying to think about you know, what's the appropriate length for, you know, an article online. And we want to, we would love to eventually go the long read route. You know, we'd love to have, you know, 5,000 word stories someday. We'd love to have, you know, just very high quality journalism that really takes a really hard look and a really interesting look at what a city is doing that's interesting and that's cool. You know, kind of not kind of the anti-blog approach. Mm. We would love to go the the traditional, you know, quote unquote, magazine uh, journalist journalistic. We'd love to take that approach. Uh-huh. If uh, I'm going to put the spotlight on you for for a second, if you had um, what you kind of do right now, if you had a chance to give people a ton of great advice, or at least a good segment of great advice on building a team, 
publishing a magazine and you know, achieving some of the goals you've been able to achieve, what what would be some good advice to give to, uh, I guess, an independent journalistic entrepreneur? Um, I would say, I would say, don't sleep. <laughs> And do everything you possibly can to refine your idea uh, before you take it public. You know, that's one of the things that we, we didn't, we, with Proxart, we kind of uh, refined our idea in public, which made, made it kind of weird. If you look back over 2010 um, or maybe 2011, one of those years, they're all a blur because I don't sleep. Um, so if you look back over those two years, you'll see that maybe every four or five months, we've got an announcement of some big shift in vision. You know, we went from being focused on Santa Clarita alone to being focused on the suburbs, from being focused on the suburbs to being focused on, you know, to being, I think it was a survey of the creative environment, which is just not a very uh, intriguing tagline. And I think it's still what's up on our current site if you visit it right now. So, we've kind of grown through our idea, uh, in public. And I think some of that is inevitable, but at the same time, I would say if you want to, if you really want to bring, uh, an idea to life, it's best to just get everything out that you possibly can on a page. Um, and you know, no holds barred, but work it out as much as you possibly can, you know, behind the scenes. Uh, make sure that you understand what you're getting yourself into at least as much as you possibly can, you know, and then when you do it and when you start it, you know, try to find the best possible people that you can possibly put around you, um, and give them a reason to stick around. You know, I mean, you, you quoted Steve jobs and everyone will forever be quoting Steve jobs when he talked to, uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy that was with Pepsi and he told him, you know, do you want to be selling sugar water for the rest of your life or do you want to come? change the world. You know, I feel like at least from our perspective, you know, we feel like we really have, we really have something to offer. We really want to do something. And so I feel like for, for anybody out there who's got an idea, who, who wants to get something started, you have to feel that kind of weight. You know, you have to feel like what you're doing is worth not sleeping. Um, and you have to feel like what you're doing is worth other people's time. Cause if it's not, you know, if you're just going to sell widgets, you know, and you don't feel like it has something that really, really adds to the the fabric of society. Uh, I feel like, you know, you're going to eventually lose steam. And uh, certainly, good advice. That's that's for sure. Um, I can only want to part with the the ability to get people in touch with you. Like, if you're going to all these different cities, and you know, it's fine in my opinion to change your global shift. I think that. If you didn't shift, you would die. So all you're trying to do is keep your idea alive. And I think the direction you're taking it is definitely a direction towards more life versus less life. So right, it, it, a lot of people out there may be listening and saying, you know, okay, that's great, Nathan. How can I get in touch? I've got a, a lot of fun stuff happening in my local city. Uh, some of the cities you've mentioned, maybe some you haven't mentioned. How do I get in touch with you to to do some of this and even become a contributor to Proxart? So what's uh, what's the process to get on board? Uh, there, there are two ways to get in touch with me personally. Um, and if you get in touch with me personally, I can get you in touch with people that you need to get in touch with at Proxart. But the two best ways to get in touch with me are, uh, Twitter is obvious. Uh, my Twitter handle handle is, uh, N T H N R Y N. So my name without any A's. And then, uh, my email address is just Nate 
N-A-T-E at proxart.co. Uh, and if any of you guys would like to get involved, I, we would absolutely love that. And I will get you in contact with the, the right person. So we're looking, for, we're looking for photographers, designers, illustrators, writers, editors. Uh, and we cannot pay you, but we will hug you, even if just digitally. <laughs> digital hugs are good hugs i think right i mean well, you got to figure out some way to make it happen right yeah i mean if you've got skype well i'll hug my computer i do <laughs> even when you know i hug my computer anyway so that's that's a personal problem though that is a that sounds like a personal problem I, I, that's not for this podcast too late <laughs> oh i just i don't know if you heard that but i like uh, accidentally hit my headphones off. Oh, you did? I thought you were hugging your computer. Oh, no. Well, we can go with that, sure. I thought you were being literal. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Nathan, it's, um, you know, I'm I'm a super big fan of Proxart. I, like, I, I know I didn't mention this earlier in the call, but, you know, I alluded to the fact that we'd actually kind of met, but we haven't really met. And um, I want to give a shout out to some Houstonians here um, that had done something, you know, just uber super cool i mean i can't even say how cool it is uh scott brignac ryan booth uh cody bass they did some fun stuff with Derek webb's um feedback album and for those of you who know who Derek webb is you'll definitely know what i'm talking about but they did this this uh little short film called self-sabotage and you can find it at feedbackfilm.com and that's kind of where i met nathan that's kind of where i found and discovered prox art and i thought it was really neat that you were out here and supporting the the Houston community. So if, if there's one Testament that listeners, I want you to take from this is that is Nathan's seriousness in glowing, going global because he came all the way from California, all the way over to Houston to support those guys. And those guys did an awesome job. They were on Kickstarter. They raised money to get this film produced. And Nathan came out and supported them and all that good stuff. And not only that, but you also put them in PM seven, right? Yeah. We interviewed, well, actually it was, it, what was fun about that is, you know, Scott was the credited director, but he was so adamant about how much work Cody Bess and Ryan Booth did that I figured why, I mean, why would I try to interview three people? I should just let them interview themselves. I feel like those are the best, you know, when you've got a collaborative project like that, it's just so much fun to, to act like a fly on the wall. Yeah. And so that's kind of what that article was in PM seven. It, we just, we kind of gave them some lead in questions and then had them go from there. And so we've got like four or five pages of them just talking with one another about how the process <laughs> uh, worked itself out, which is just super interesting to me. And even to them, I mean, those guys are all, uh, you know, well known in the film industry here in Houston. Uh, very, very talented people, mm-hmm. and I'm personally proud of them for what they've been able to do. I was excited to even be at the the very first showing of it, and then to even see Prox out there supporting them was, you know, was huge for me to see that you were there to support them. And that's just that to me, that's just awesome. But yeah, man. yeah if, if you want to check it out, feedbackfilm.com and uh, on proxart.org, you can go to the magazine section and actually go to uh, download PM seven and check out that, uh, that feature of them in there. And I think it was, um, there's a photo in there and a full interview and they talk about their process. So yeah, if, if you uh, want to go just straight to that magazine, it's proxart.org slash PM seven. There you go. There's a short URL for that too. <laughs> yep. Nope. Yeah, we have. Uh, that's part of this new uh, 
this new website is cleaning that up. We've had some issues with, uh, with people getting lost trying to find certain issues of the magazine. We're, we're definitely going to clear that up in the next couple of weeks. But that's how you get PM7 directly. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Nathan, again, it was, it was awesome to, to get to know you a bit more and get to chat with you. And I'm glad that you came on the show. So thank you so much for all that you do with Prox Art and f- specifically for just sticking with it and supporting art wherever it is created. I know that it's a fun thing you're doing there. And, you know, congrats to you. Congrats to your staff. And thanks so much for coming on the show. It's, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. I appreciate it, Adam. Thank you. I want to thank my sponsors once again, Less Accounting at lessaccounting.com and Flow at getflow.com. And most of all, thanks to you for listening to this show. Without you, it would not be possible. If you are interested in advertising on this show, you can hit us up at 5x5.tv slash advertise. Or you can email me directly, which is just as well, at adam at founderstalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.